You're listening to the Your Knee, Your Health podcast. I'm your host, Adam Rosen. I'm a fellowship-trained, board-certified orthopedic surgeon who specializes in knee replacement. Here I'll talk to you about common knee complaints and other orthopedic issues. We'll cover other important health-related topics, all of which are meant to helpfully answer some of your questions and help improve the quality of your life. Thanks for listening, and on with the next episode. So this is a sort of a personal podcast, um, and this is going out to my little brother. Um, So this is sort of my plea to my little brother to get vaccinated. And I'm sure if you're listening, you probably have friends or other loved ones that you care about too, and something that you may want to share with them. Um, So to my little brother, you know, I know this is causing a little bit of a rift in our family, and I'm sure it's happening all over the world. Um... And I'm sure, like a lot of people, you have your reasons, but I think you've always appreciated my input, especially from a medical science background. So um, I remember our talks, even when you you were concerned about getting vaccines for your daughter um, when she was of those ages to get certain vaccines and whether or not that was a good or right or wrong decision, you know, and I gave you my wholehearted 100%, it definitely is a good decision. And this is the same thing. And I know there's a lot of misinformation. So even when people and patients ask me, you know, don't you get angry at those people? I don't, you know, I don't get angry at people if they don't want to have the vaccine. I try to teach them. Um, and I just try to explain to them, I get more upset, I guess, with the disinformation because I understand that it can be very confusing if you don't have a firm science background um, and a way of deciphering the information that you see or hear or read, and you hear from one source, one opinion, and another source, another opinion, it can get um, quite confusing. But, you know, just understand that right now, uh, the vaccine is the best way to prevent the risk of death um, or the risk of a disease that could lead to problems for the rest of your life from a virus that's currently infecting the world. There was just a, an article that just came out in The Lancet um, that just showed that even at one year, um, survivors of COVID still had more issues with mobility, pain, anxiety, or depression than those that didn't have COVID when they matched them you know, for their age. So these are sort of the minor issues that you're seeing and seeing some of the long haulers. So, you know, just understand again briefly, I mean, vaccines have been around for a long time. So you um, and a lot of people, you know, our age don't really know about polio. I, I take care of some of these patients that are these post-polio patients. And, you know, when polio had this huge outbreak in the 1950s, um, I did go back and pull up some statistics, but in the U.S. there was about 58,000 cases and just over 3,000 kids died, but about 21,000 were paralyzed. Um, and those are the patients that I still see today that, you know, have issues from the paralysis from, from that virus. Um, and Jonas Salk, when he came up with this, this um, way of preventing this death and paralysis of these young kids um, killed off this virus. And it was the largest study to date. I mean, this is back in the 50s. The largest study gave out this vaccine to 1.8 million children. You know, people say, oh yeah, you know, the kids got paralyzed. And it was due to a lab. There was one lab that didn't kill the virus. So that it was the lab's mistake. And and again, in, in science, sure, things can happen. And that was bad. But, you know, they that was the largest trial ever was 1.8 million vaccines. 
And they were able to declare that polio, the virus, and that deadly um, illness was eradicated by 1979. Um, the death rate, if you got paralysis, you know, 5 to 10% of those kids died. You know, then measles. You know, most people our age, we don't see kids with measles. Um, you know, in 2018, because it's still around in the world, 140,000 people died from a virus, from measles. You know, that vaccine was created in 1963, and in the U.S., it was eliminated by the year 2000. Um, rubella, which is the leading cause of preventable birth defects, you know, in 1964, there were 12.5 million cases. That vaccine came out in 69, and it was eliminated here in the U.S. in 2004. You know, and there's tons of other vaccines. There's a pneumococcal vaccine, the, uh, the DTaP vaccine, which is for diphtheria, tetanus, and pertussis, um, Haemophilus. Uh, Hepatitis A, hepatitis B, HPV, uh, the influenza virus, which most people get um, every, or the vaccine rather, get every year, the MMR, meningococcal vaccine, polio vaccine, rotavirus vaccine, varicella vaccine. So, you know, vaccines have been around and have done so much um, to help so many people. But there's this fear, right? Because this virus came out and, you know, the vaccines sort of came to market quite quickly. Um, But None of us have ever seen something like this in our lifetime. And I really hope none of our kids and grandkids ever see anything like this. I mean, just the the recent numbers, I kind of just looked today, um, 217 million reported cases of coronavirus on our planet. And 4.5 million have died from a virus around the world. Now, vaccine doses, there's been over 5 billion vaccine doses given. So yes, I mean, most FDA trials and for vaccines, I mean, that whole thing, phase one, two, three trials takes over a decade. We didn't have a decade and we still don't have a decade, you know, at the rate that people are dying. So, you know, if you say, hey, I don't don't trust, you know, the vaccine, you know, look at Salk's you know, that was the largest vaccine trial, um, you know, in history back then. I mean, it was 1.8 million children. I mean, a lot of vaccine trials, you know, they 1,000, 10,000 people. So, you know, you want to talk about a trial. This was essentially the largest trial ever. If we have given out 5 billion doses of the vaccine, and yeah, there are risks. You know, there's risks driving our car. You know, there's risks walking out our front door. There's risks just climbing down the stairs in our houses. Um, But when you look at the risks, I mean, there was the big clot risk, which I think we heard about more um, with the J&J vaccine of clots. There were 44 cases reported in 14 million doses. So that gives you a risk of 0.0000003. Ridiculously low risk of getting a clot. What about Moderna? Also had some clots. They had two reported clot cases out of 346 million doses. And then the death rates, which have been possibly attributed to the vaccines, you know, but they're not sure whether or not it was secondary causes, but being investigated. The most recent study that I saw looked at a death rate from these 5 billion vaccine doses of 0.0. Zero zero one nine percent. So that's really, really low. But if you get coronavirus, and especially if you're unvaccinated, your chance of death is a whole lot higher than that. And that's, you know, the reason we, we, you know, meaning, you know, 
me and your sister and your parents, you know, all really wish that you would get vaccinated because you have a wife and you have a daughter. And I can't imagine the two of them living the rest of their lives without you. Um, I mean, you're the breadwinner for the family, but I, you know, I, my heart breaks for any child that has to grow up without one of their parents. Um, and the Delta variant um, is like 50% you know, more transmissible. You know, they're seeing higher, higher viral loads with this compared to the original strain, the, kind of the termed alpha variant. And although people said kids were immune, they're not immune, but they really didn't get very sick with the first variant. And the kids are getting very, very sick with this variant. So if you get it, there's a high likelihood that you could spread it to your wife or your daughter um, and vice versa. You know, if they get it, there's a very high chance that they can spread it to you. Um, so getting vaccinated, you know, protects you um, and decreases that chance of you being sick or hospitalized or ventilated, you know, or dying. And this is the scary thing, because even when we talked about this in the very beginning, I, I told you I wasn't going to get vaccinated because in the beginning, the numbers were quite low and the vaccine was quite new. And from my science background, you know, I felt that I wanted to wait and see what the science showed and what, you know, the first few million doses did to people. But what I let you know is that when the vaccine came out and the virus started getting worse and numbers were exponentially rising, um, I looked at that as my risk, especially being in the hospital, even though I wasn't on the front line, um, was still quite high. And, you know, not being around for my family, I didn't want to put them at risk of being without me. So I accepted that risk of taking the vaccine fairly early. You know, I think that fear of the unknown then um, is not true now, again, because there's been over 5 billion doses given out. So if something really bad um, would have happened from those vaccines, we would know about it by now. And that's, you know, the fear that I think a lot of people in healthcare, you know, are, are tired, they're exhausted, um, they're depressed, they're anxious, they're mad, um, they're angry, you know, because years ago, people trusted science, they trusted doctors. Um, the scientists, you know, they go to school and they, and they choose their profession and they do their work, you know, for the benefit of everybody, you know, for the well-being of other people. And, and the doctors, they go in day in and day out, you know, and they put sometimes their life and their family on hold to care for other people. Um, you know, the first, you know, rule, like do no harm. So when the doctors recommend these things and people um, don't believe or don't trust, um, it, it really creates a lot of fear and anger. I mean, back then, you know, I asked mom and said, you know, what, what happened? And I've even asked a bunch of patients that I've seen this past year, patients of mine that have polio and so, you know, what was it like when the polio vaccine came out? And they said, there was no question. You know, we, we got dressed and we stood in line and we got our vaccine and they were happy to get it. You know, now there's so much mistrust um, that you're seeing people that are working to save the lives of other people um, who really kind of look down their nose at these doctors and nurses and other healthcare workers that are doing their job. And they kind of look at them like they're their enemy. And that's the thing. I don't believe that you or anybody else realizes how many doctors and nurses have left the field. Um, and I, I can't even imagine how many doctors and nurses are going to have 
you know, post-traumatic stress disorder and, and, you know, long-term issues. I mean, these nurses that are working in the ICU and, the, you know, watching day after day people dying on ventilators. You know, it's not the thing that anybody likes to see. And even when you see it in your career, you know, usually they're spread out. You have time to decompress, you know, but to see people dying day in and day out. And then, you know, to hear about people discounting, you know, the scientists and the doctors and the vaccine and that it's not real, um, you know, I'm sure breaks the heart of many of those people that are just trying to get through the day each day. I mean, I see these stories and like even on our own little sort of our little social platforms that are more healthcare related. I mean, you see the pleas of people just going home and just crying and just being exhausted. Um, you know, you've seen the pictures of, you know, the masks and the people working in the ICUs, you know, and they have the burns and, and the scars and the blisters from wearing these masks, you know, day in and day out. Um, and, and still, you know, at least you hear the stories of people just before they're intubated of saying, you know, is it too late to get the vaccine? You know, and at that point it is, I mean, if you're being intubated and I'm also seeing, which is scary is that the pediatric hospitals are filling up. So anybody that believed that kids were immune, you know, it just means that, you know, your daughter's out there, she's going to school and she's still at risk with this Delta variant. Um, and you know, the last thing anybody wants to do is get sick. The, the really last thing anybody wants to do is see their kid get sick. Um, so you know, hopefully the age would be lowered. Um, we got our kids vaccinated. And I know many, you know, doctors and nurses and people in the healthcare field that, you know, as soon as the vaccines were available for kids, they were willing. And some that have now had their kids in the under 12 trials to try to get their kids vaccinated just because they've seen the safety and the efficacy of, um, of these vaccines, you know, and people are really worried about mRNA and, you know, it doesn't change your DNA. You know, I, I really, you know, I really don't know, you know, what, the exact answers or, or reasons, you know, for you to not, you know, get the vaccine at this point. You know, I understand people's concerns very early on, but, you know, there's MRNA has been studied for vaccines for a long time and they've been looking at the flu and Zika and um, CMV and a couple of different, um, you know, viruses that they've been trying to do. And it basically, it doesn't change your DNA. It's just the messenger RNA is basically a transcription of your DNA that goes to the cell that allows these little other cells to produce proteins. So what, what this does is it just injects that little strand and your proteins then create this protein that goes on the cell. And that's the spike protein. You hear about the spike protein. So your body goes, Hey, that's not us. That's not me. Um, that looks bad. I'm going to attack that. It creates an antibody. So now if you're exposed um, to the virus and you do get the virus that your body at least has had a chance to develop some antibodies against that spike protein, you know, in the hopes that, you know, it can ward off an infection that you might be hopefully asymptomatic or at least minimally symptomatic, or at least at this point, what we know with Delta virus is that, you know, your chance of being, you know, hospitalized, um, and, and intubated is in that 1% or maybe even 2% at most, but extremely low. And the majority of the people, 98, 99% of these people hospitalized and in ICUs and on ventilators, you know, are people that have not been vaccinated. Um, so it's just that thing that you don't know if you're not going to be exposed, um, because this is so much more transmissible. And at this point, the science, um, all supports, getting vaccinated just because you don't know where and when um, and if you will be exposed. And if so, there's a high likelihood that you could get sick, you know, and you could be, 
you know, one of those 217 million cases, um, you know, and unfortunately, you could also be one of the 4 million cases that doesn't make it. You know, we've lost that many people on this planet due to a virus and a virus now that has a vaccine that doesn't prevent you from getting infected. It doesn't mean that you won't get sick, um, but it means that you most likely won't be hospitalized or won't be placed on a ventilator and won't die, you know, because those breakthrough infections are extremely rare. Um, you know, I mean, look, like even the president, even people that mistrusted the last president, Donald Trump, was vaccinated. Um, you know, we grew up in Philly. I think we were like born, it's in our genetic DNA to, you know, hate the Dallas Cowboys. You know, I even saw that Jerry Jones got vaccinated and said that his players all needed to get vaccinated in an article I was reading that, uh, you know, he said that when you walk through that door, you got to put I away and it's about we. And he said, you know, we're at a point now where it is irresponsible to potentially cause an infection in those around us, our friends, family, and loved ones, when there's an available vaccine that may prevent you from getting sick. You know, so I think probably the first time in my life I've actually agreed with something that the Dallas Cowboys did. Um, But more importantly, you know, just no matter what has been said um, or what people might think, people believe, um, you know, you know that, you know, me and your sister and your parents all love you and we just want you to get vaccinated. Um, And you say, well, you know, yep, was there a risk if I die or or get a clot? You know what? Yep, that is a risk. The risk is like exceedingly low, like 0.001%. And it's a risk that I feel is worth taking from my background, from my scientific background. So much that I believe that risk is worth taking that, you know, my kids were vaccinated. Um, because I believe so strongly in protecting them against this virus. So, you know, I, I hope that you listen to this. Um, I hope, you know, you've always asked my opinion um, and you always know that I say it straight and I'm upfront and I, I don't beat around the bush. Um, and a lot of my thought process is based on the science. I mean, this is here. I mean, these are all statistics. This is all based on the science and you know, I just hope that you and, and hopefully other people, you know, at some point in the near future, you know, start to have faith and trust in the medical profession. Um, because everybody working there that I know personally, you know, there's outliers everywhere and you see these people, you know, on the internet and on the news, but, you know, you, you, you trust the majority of people in the scientific field that all are doing this for the reason to help others. And they all support the same thing, which is wear a mask, get vaccinated, um, and we've got to get this under control or, you know, this becomes, from a pandemic, it becomes endemic, you know, which basically means that there's enough variants and strains that it just keeps coming back and it keeps coming back and it keeps coming back. And, you know, the fear is we may have already missed that chance to eradicate it, um, but at the rate that hospitals are going up, that's the big fear. I mean, I'm seeing on the back end, you know, hearing stories of, you know, patients, at least in our little orthopedic world that, you know, are, are not being able to get surgery for elective cases or not being able to be transferred to the place where they really need care to see a specialist because those hospitals are full. So it is almost like war triage where, you know, somebody walks in and you only have so many resources, you can only really help the people that you think and believe there's a really good chance of helping. 
And those that you don't believe that you can exhaust your resources to care for, you have to let them go. You know, and that's even been floated now is that, you know, with limited ICU beds, you know, you have a stroke or heart attack and you need an ICU bed, there may not be one available. But if somebody comes in and is vaccinated and maybe has a health condition and there's someone that's not vaccinated, there's talks about, you know, not putting that unvaccinated person on the vent because they're so limited, you know, or stories of, you know, kids being, having transferred, you know, hundreds of miles to different hospitals. Um, so if anybody didn't believe this is a real serious problem, um, this is a real serious problem. And maybe Afghanistan, you know, and maybe the hurricane um, are leading the news stories. So the news isn't carrying this stuff as much. So people aren't as aware of what's going on. Um, but on the hospital end, just understand, I mean, this this is a serious, serious time that we're seeing this Delta variant just inundate hospitals, um, inundate ICUs as resources like oxygen and ventilators and ICU beds go down. And the people that work those positions, the doctors and nurses, you know, are leaving the field in record numbers that I've seen in, in my time in practice. Um, so I believe that there's going to be more and more difficulties of getting care as people are just exhausted in basically almost two years of caring for people um, with this virus, the likes of which we've never seen in our careers and hopefully never, ever see again. So I hope you listen. You know, I really wish you get vaccinated. We do love you. Be safe. Thanks for listening to the Your Knee, Your Health podcast. If you've not already done so, please subscribe so you'll be notified of future episodes. And if you enjoy what you're hearing, please take the time to leave a review. It helps other people like you find the show. I'm your host, Adam Rosen, and until next time, stay safe.